0: So I've been writing this thing for a couple years, like privately. Do you think I should take it public? You've been talking about how many amazing opportunities in this great community that's come from you starting your blog and putting it out there. Do you think I should do the same? And she's like, yeah, what do you have to lose? That's Mm -hmm. a great answer. (laughs) Nothing. Um, So that night, I guess that was July 2018, I took my blog public and I've been shocked with... What has happened since then? I'm talking to you guys like I couldn't have imagined any of this. You're
1: listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design and impact the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here, together with my co-pilot, Julie Lamb.
2: Julie, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. It's Friday, although you know what, around here it's like Friday every day. Right? Uh, <laughs> it, when you're when you when you work, when you want to work, and you're you know living where you want to live, it's you know Friday every day, right? It's never like yes. oh, I'm finally at the end of the week kind of a thing. So,
1: but yeah, no, I are so true. You yeah. know, it's funny you mentioned that. A few years ago, when I was still working a corporate job, I wrote a mm-hmm. blog post um, called The Sunday Test. Mm. And, you know, because I had job hopped so much, um, mm-hmm. it, it was a really good test for me, like an internal test mm-hmm. to see, you know, where I was with the current job I was at. And so <laughs> every Sunday night, I would be like, okay, how am I feeling? Am I excited? <laughs> To go oh back to work, gosh, or yes. am I like dreading it? Am I stressed out? Am I anxious about the meetings? And that was my barometer. And sometimes it would change. You know, I would get mm-hmm. into a job, and Sundays would be great. I would be mm-hmm. so excited for a while, and then after a while, it'd be like, ah, oh, you know what? I hate Sunday nights. Oh my gosh, I can't. I I don't want to go in on Monday morning. And that was my clue that. That was was my test.
0: (laughs) Oh,
1: like, okay, maybe there's something I need to change here. But, you know, these days, uh, with all that we're doing with Good Egg Investments and this show and you know, it's just like, like you said, every day feels like Friday. There are no Sundays anymore, really. Mm-mm. It's like, there's no stress. There's no anxiety because we're doing what we love. Yeah. And we're also fitting, you know, we're balancing it with our, our families and our mm-hmm. just our whole life. It becomes mm-hmm. not just a job, but really just everything that you're doing.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And it's so hard to not work because I don't look at it as work. So even when I'm, you know, relaxing or taking it easy, I'm always sort of working because it's not really work. It's something that I love to do. And it's like, I want to check in on this thing that's like my hobby or my thing that I'm into right now and, you know, getting to make an impact and all of that. So um, yes. definitely. But it's so funny that you bring that up because our guest today on the show, A Purple Life or Purple she goes by um, talked about her um, you know job hopping and I knew when she was talking about that that in the back of your mind that you were thinking, oh my goodness this is this is my story and you know it was because of that job hopping that she did that she was able to discover that she wasn't happy even once she achieved the ultimate, you know in pay and she had made her list of what her dream job was going to be and she had gotten there and and she was going to work every day realizing this like looking around and like, this is it. And she's not the first guest that we've had on the show that's talked about this, that they've, you know, worked really hard to, like you had mentioned in the show to get sometimes years to get to where they thought was a place that, you know, was going to offer them everything, right? Like the, the gold pot at the end of the rainbow and you get there and it's like, wait a minute, why am I still not happy?
1: Right. And so she talked about that and um, so much yeah. more. You're so right. When she's, when she talked about job hopping, I'm like, Oh, somebody after my own heart. <laughs> uh, it, is. it doesn't, you know, it, it takes a, you know, some people think job hopping is like, oh, you can't commit to anything. But it takes mm-hmm. a lot of courage, I think, to job hop and to, you know, not be complacent um, yeah. for a long period of time when you're unhappy and to know mm-hmm. when you're unhappy and when you mm-hmm. need to make the move. I think it takes a lot of awareness. Absolutely. And so I've, I've learned a ton through that journey. Yeah. And it sounds like Purple has learned a ton through that journey as well. She's got such an inspiring story. And we were, um, it was so great cuz we got to celebrate with her this huge milestone that she's just accomplished 5 years into her financial independence journey. It was just such such a great conversation, so many good nuggets. Was there mm-hmm. something else you wanted to add before we I get just
2: in? wanted to say that like, you know, she talked about we talked about travel hacking. We talked about how she's going to her approach to traveling with her mom, which was so funny, which I love, and something that I'm going to start to do. We talked about budgeting. We talked about um, you know books that she read and resources that she used. It was just jam packed with so much goodness. And oh my gosh! Um, so and the
1: part where she compares stocks to a glass of beer. Uh, oh yes, that it's was so, so good. funny. Yeah, yeah.
2: Which I'm not a stock person at all. So to have somebody you know explain it like that was amazing. And stick to the very end because the last question that we asked her around how are her investments making the world a better place? It was probably the best answer. Or we have ever gotten on the show and gave me the chills. And um, just to even think about at such a young age to have a goal like that was very, very inspiring. So
1: here it is, our conversation with Purple, creator of apurplelife.com. A purple life. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are y'all doing? We are doing great. Now, Purple, just about a week before we're recording this, you hit a huge milestone, which is that you hit your financial independence or your fire number at just 30 years old, which is incredible. Now, Take us back to the beginning and tell us how and why you decided to embark on this journey and how you were able to hit your fire number in such a short amount of time.
0: Well, it actually did not start out as a success story. <laughs> it, <does. laughs> it never does. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, uh, but I am an example of a partner that has turned around on the idea of FIRE. So it was about seven years ago where uh, my boyfriend at the time, he introduced me to the idea. He'd actually discovered it through Reddit, of all things. He was on a personal finance subreddit, and then it led him to the subreddit Financial Independence. And so he was telling me all about this, like, hey, if we start investing more now, we can retire really early and all this stuff. And I was like, wait, why would I want to do that? What are you talking about? (laughs) And um, the background for me, I was coming at this from the angle of my mom actually retired at 55 about six years ago. Mm -hmm. and so before that my grandparents retired at 50 from the military and so I always had in the back of my mind like I don't need to think about this stuff now even if I start a little later and I figure it out I can still retire at 55 that's early that's early enough like why Mm -hmm. why do I need to change what I'm doing now I'm in my 20s living in Manhattan like let's go wild <laughs> so he's telling me all this stuff and I'm like leave me alone why are you saying this I just want to hang out and have a great time um <laughs> and I at the time had thought I was working in ad agencies and I had thought Well, I'm not really that happy right now with my job, but everyone keeps telling me there's a dream job out there for everyone, and that's like a job that you're happy to get up in the morning to go do, and it's going to be great, and I just need to find that job, and then it'll be fine, and I'll keep wanting to work until I'm 55 or whatever it is. And then, of course, I'm a huge nerd, so I had an entire list of what I thought this dream job included. And I kept job hopping, not just to find that job, but also because I kept dodging these kind of toxic work environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, while that was happening, I discovered that the main way to get an increased salary in marketing advertising is actually to job hop. So I kept getting these 20K bumps every time I'd hop about every year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I finally got that dream job. And so I went from making 35K at the beginning of my career to 68 when I got that dream job um, three job hops later, I believe. (laughs) And... I was like, wait, this is it. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to still get up in the morning and do this. I don't want to <laughs> do this for another 20 plus years. <laughs> uh, and I was just so disappointed. So I was like, okay, partner, what, what was that you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was two years later. And then I listened to him. I dove in. I read everything about investing that I could because I had no idea before, self educated about index funds and all that fun stuff. Started squirreling away all of my money that. That I could while still living an awesome life. Um, decided to turbocharge that by actually moving from Manhattan to Seattle, and just that move, not changing anything really, um, cut my spending in half. So I spend about 18K mm. living in Seattle now. And then I also job hopped again to go across the country and started making 85, and that was five years ago. Now, currently making 113, t- I think. Mm-hmm. So just those job hops, and then moving across the country, kind of pulled both levers of spending and saving, and that's how I was able to hit 500k last week. Wow, that's amazing!
1: I mean, I, it's so refreshing to hear somebody else talking about job hopping because your twenties from like <laughs> my twenties. <20s. laughs> in, in the ten years after college, I had nine jobs, mm-hmm. um, but you know, each job teaches you something new, and you get to know different work cultures um, and. You get... Go through the onboarding process a lot. So, you get really Mm -hmm. good at that. You get to know different processes and you get to negotiate over and over. You know, like people who work in one job for 10 years, they don't get that opportunity to negotiate their salary all over again and sort Mm -hmm. of reinvent themselves all over again. So, I love that part of your journey. At the point when you had gotten your dream job, you're making 68K and you're like, oh my gosh, I've made it. I've burst onto the scene. This is what I've (laughs) always wanted. Mm -hmm. you know what was it was it like because you had reached your goal and you were like oh this this is it like there's no more what was the gap between what you thought it would be and
0: what it actually was so the job really was perfect basically I like I mentioned I was working in ad agencies and this new job instead of having I'm usually working client service role um so you know getting yelled at all day for things I didn't do (laughs) um (laughs) So at the time, this new dream job was creating a mini ad agency from scratch within my existing agency. So I got to completely shape everything about it. I got to do original research and figure out the branding for how we were going to do this. And we didn't have any clients because we were starting up from the beginning. And it was just me and this other woman running this entire show. So it was everything I thought I wanted. I wasn't just getting yelled at for random things. (laughs) I was creating something. I felt like I was doing something real and building something. So that was all amazing. It just wasn't enough. So it was everything I thought it would be, but I also thought that getting a job that ticks all my boxes would make me happy to get up on Monday morning and fight my way through the New York subway Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get there and be happy to work until midnight and arrive home exhausted and, you know, be answering emails on Saturday when I'm supposed to be spending time with my partner, but it wasn't
1: enough. How fortunate that you were able to discover that at such a young age. I feel like a lot of people, they have that goal uh, to get this dream job or this dream Mm -hmm. house or whatever it is. Um, and they think that that's going to make them happy and they don't get there for years and years, maybe Mm -hmm. even decades. Um, But how fortunate that you were able to get there so early in life and to really be at that summit and see, wait a second, this isn't (laughs) all that is cracked up to be. So that's really cool. So tell us what happened next. So you discovered that it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. And Mm -hmm. then you mentioned you dove in headfirst, you learned a ton. So tell us about that journey. What did you do what books did you read? Does anything stand
0: out from that from that journey? So I read every book and blog I could get my hands on.
3: <laughs> the <laughs> New York
0: Public Library was like, "Why are you still here?" Um, <laughs> so I started by reading. I think it's um, the usual: kind, Mr. Money Mustache, um, Mad Scientist, JL Collins and H dot com. This is before he came out with the book Simple Path to Wealth, and all the information was on his site. So his stock series really like opened my eyes because I had always assumed that finance and investing in particular was just too complicated for me to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he explains everything in really down-to-earth terms. He explains the stock market while talking about it like it's a glass of beer. And I was like, I can get behind this. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. So that really started to click with me. And then also at the same time, I read Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin. And that completely opened my eyes to like the psychological, emotional aspect of money because I had never thought of every dollar I'm spending as literally the life force that I gave for that dollar mm-hmm. and once I did that I was like okay maybe it wouldn't ruin my life to like reassess this hundred dollar a month 18T bill I have <laughs> like mm-hmm. maybe there's an easier way to do this so it was kind of coming up at it, from both angles, both teaching myself or learning about investing, and then also trying to understand like the power of money. I love that. I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. So I s- noticed on your
2: blog that. Um, well, first of all, before I talk about that, you know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I love is that y- you talked about your income going up and your you know maintaining your expenses or keeping them low, right? And mm-hmm. what that does is it allows you to really increase the amount that you're able to save, and that. For years, that's what my husband and I did—like years—because that was all I knew how to do. You know, I didn't know how to, <laughs> I didn't know what came after that. And I feel like, you know, for me, investing became the piece that um, you know, allowed me to find some financial independence. And it's—it's it's also in our business how we, um, you know, look at a lot of things. It's always about, you know, how do we increase expense in income? Excuse me, and decrease mm-hmm. expenses. I'm really curious because I saw that on your blog. You said in twenty nineteen that you spent eighteen thousand dollars for an entire year. Is that right? (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) Okay, so did some quick math, and that breaks down to fifteen hundred dollars a month. Mm -hmm. So I am curious: Are you like living the top
0: ramen life, or (laughs) (laughs) top ramen's delicious? But besides that, (laughs) but I am really not surprisingly. So when I was living in New York, I was spending about thirty five k. Okay. But just making that move to Seattle Mm -hmm. between the difference in rent and just like general cost of living, uh, it's about half out here, even though we have the same salaries. Um, And then also the difference in taxes, that's Hmm. basically the only thing. So I didn't actually change my lifestyle. I love eating. I eat keto, so that's usually a lot of meat and expensive things. Mm -hmm. Um, I love going to lake houses and traveling and doing all this fun stuff. So yeah, I I don't live that top ramen life, though it is yummy. (laughs)
2: Okay, okay. So now I want to ask then, because Mm -hmm. I am so intrigued by this when when I hear other people talking about this and people get intrigued when I talk about this as well, when I'm able to do certain things or live a certain way. And I'm like, yeah, I, I just spent whatever X dollars, right? And they're like, what? How did you, how did you do that? So <laughs> tell me how you are able to, because I think you talk a little bit about this on your blog too, how you're able to keep your expenses, like live that kind of a lifestyle, but keep your expenses so low. Like what is the secret behind that?
0: No secrets, but a few caveats. So I make a few choices in my life that are just preferences for myself that also Mm -hmm. just happen to lend to lower expenses. So for example, I don't personally want to own a house Mm -hmm. and I don't. I don't own a car and I don't want to. I'm not having kids, and those three things kind of have (laughs) a lot of Mm -hmm. impact (laughs) um, on my expenses. So yeah, we were renting a uh, one-bedroom apartment in Seattle downtown so we could walk to Pike Place when it was open and the Space Needle and all this fun stuff. We intentionally Mm -hmm. um, got that place so that we could both walk to work. Mm -hmm. We don't even need to take a bus even though we could. And the car thing, I grew up in Atlanta, so I'm just, I'm done with traffic and (laughs) sitting there and cars and I can't do it anymore. (laughs) So those choices just kind of made my overall large expenses relatively low and so the rest i can just do whatever i want with like i mentioned that lake house someone invited me to one last july and i didn't even think about it i didn't even check my budget i was just like Mm -hmm. i want to do that let's go so just having those like large expenses i'm pretty sure just rent and my monthly bills are like 60 percent of my budget every month Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. just having that like locked in at relatively low amounts Mm -hmm. the rest doesn't matter as much so i can just have fun Right. Yeah. I feel like that's such a good point is, you know, just remembering or sitting down, I guess, and
2: taking the time to really ask yourself what is priority? Mm-hmm. What must you absolutely have and what is really important to you and you set aside a budget for that and then everything else it allows you kind of like that flexibility, you know, like like you're saying with two of like the biggest expenses to be able to you know, then take that money and live your life and Mm -hmm. do the things that you want to do and do the things that are enjoyable for you. And I think a lot of people get caught up in this idea of, you know, well, I'm now making $113,000. So now I'm going to go spend it all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like becomes like a, a hunt for for spending, right? Like, mm-hmm. what can I spend this on? Okay, I made, I made it, right? I have my dream job. I have $113,000 a year coming in. I made it. I need to go out there and do something with it so that I can feel like fulfilled, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's such a trap that like so many people, including myself, fell into. You know, when I was working, and it just becomes sort of a hamster wheel, you know, where yeah. you're you're just always looking for more and more and more and more, and it's never enough. It doesn't matter whether you make hundred and thirteen or you know 1.3 million it just would never be enough um and so i love this this idea of sort of you know really trying to ask yourself well what is what is enough for me so that i can live my life and have the freedom to say well hey yeah i want to go out on the lake house for you know however long you're going mm-hmm. and so i so i love all of that so now i'm curious Because um, with most people, when it comes to FIRE, there is this other element. So once you've got your expenses and your income and you've got all of that, you've got it under control, you've really increased your ability to save, you've got the net worth what next? Like, There's got to be an investing component, right? And I'm curious to hear about that and I'm sure some of the listeners are as well because I was in a place too where it was like, okay, I did all of those things. I did all the things, did the Susie Orman, did all that stuff, no debt and all of that. And I still don't feel like I'm any closer to retiring. So Tell us a little bit about what you're doing for investing.
0: Sure. So really simple. And because of all of the caveats I mentioned in my strange lifestyle, extremely aggressive. So I'm actually 100% in stock index funds. Interesting. And how did you learn about that? To feel comfortable? It really was the um, stock series by Jim Collins, and then also reading a lot of investment books, Bogleheads, um, A Random Walk Down Wall Street, all those kinds of books until mm-hmm. I felt comfortable. Dipping my toe in. I believe mm-hmm. I started by um, opening a, a traditional IRA with Vanguard. And I was like, ooh, look at me. <laughs> <And> <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> and that was, I
1: guess, five years ago. And here we are. I'm so curious about you mentioned earlier on you'd read a book or a blog um, that talked about stocks were like a glass of beer. Can you tell mm-hmm. us more about that? That's so fascinating. Yeah,
0: yeah it's uh, JLCollins and um, written by Jim Collins. And he came out with a book called The Simple Path to Wealth a few years ago, which is fantastic. But he was explaining how uh, when you look at the stock market price day to day. It just fluctuates wildly and people are like, what is up with that? And that it's actually made of two components. One is, he explains it like if someone poured you a beer into an opaque glass and you can't see them pour it. So you don't know if they poured it properly like down the side so there's no foam or they just (laughs) went wild and poured (laughs) it in the middle and it's like mostly foam. So it's made up of two aspects. One, the good stuff, the beer, like the actual Mm -hmm. operating businesses and what they're doing and what they're earning, and the foam, which is just like daily trading noise. And you don't know how much of the daily stock price is each. So I was like, oh, oh my gosh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like, if you're telling me to invest my money in this thing that's like a wildly bucking bronco, how am I supposed to know? It's because it's made up of those two things, and it's the beer that matters, and it's the beer that makes the stock or the overall stock market rise Forever because <laughs> of the actual operating businesses, not like all the noise that's happening.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fascinating! Totally. I love that. I've never mm-hmm. thought about it like that,
3: before, that <laughs> bit, but that makes
1: total sense. There's the beer, the good stuff. That what's actually happening with the company, and then there's the you know the foam that which is like you know day traders or whoever is coming mm-hmm. in arbitrarily trading the stocks. So that's fascinating. Okay, so now I'm curious. With everything that's going on with COVID, mm-hmm. has the foam increased? <laughs>
0: Great question. (laughs) I'm not sure because, well, this is the other reason that I just like sock all my money away. I don't buy individual stocks because every time I think I understand or can guess what the stock market is about to do, it's like, watch this. Because (laughs) of course, I'm like, oh, we're shutting down the entire world because of COVID to protect our citizens. And so obviously the stock market's going to plummet and it did. But then it's like, actually, this isn't as bad as we thought. It's fine. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean it's fine? (laughs) And and so we had that dip in March. And then since it's just going to be like, no, actually, look at all these tech stocks that are bringing innovation that would have taken 10 years and it happened in three months because it had to. Like, look at all these companies that are thriving, all these um, grocery delivery companies or all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. So yeah, every time I think I can guess, I'm wrong. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to keep my guessing out of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so for everybody who might be listening, who, who might not have much stock market um, experience, tell everybody what an index fund is and why you invest in index funds versus perhaps individual stocks or mutual funds or
0: anything else. Mm-hmm. So exactly because I cannot predict the future. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, even people people whose entire job it is to predict the future as in where a stock price will go so you can buy it now and assume it'll go higher so you can sell it tomorrow. Um, Even they are not statistically great at it when compared to if you buy an index fund. And usually, at least the index fund that I'm in, um, Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund has all the publicly traded companies in the US. So I think that's about 3,500 of them. So when you buy an index fund, you're buying a little piece of every single company. So you're not guessing on which will be the next HelloFresh or which one will be anything else. Um, And that's what I like to do because I am not deluded to think that I know what's happening. (laughs) So I'm just putting, I guess it's, yeah, it's my eggs in all baskets and Mm -hmm. some baskets will pay off and yeah. Does
1: that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, So it's sort of like a set it and forget it. You sort of
0: Mm -hmm. minimize your
1: risk by diversifying across all these different companies and industries. So Mm -hmm. if any one of them flops or if any one of them, um, you know, goes through the roof and does really well, then it all sort of balances out. out. Exactly.
3: We'll get back to our conversation with A Purple Life in just a minute. And now, back to our chat
1: with a purple light. And so I'm curious, now that you've hit your fire number... Has your I know it hasn't been that long, Mm -hmm. but has your life changed in any way? Do you anticipate Mm -hmm. your life changing in any way? Well,
0: I'm quitting my job in two months. (gasps) Congratulations! Thank you. Oh my goodness! Wow! I I I still gonna lay face down for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! No, I was um, actually planned this entire retirement victory lap with my mom. But obviously that's been postponed, (laughs) but that's okay. That's okay. Um, So instead we're actually moving. I'm coming to you live from my apartment floor because it's our last day (laughs) in this apartment in Seattle. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, after I quit in two months, until then we're living in a few Airbnbs in different neighborhoods around Seattle.
3: Um, But then
0: we're moving to the East Coast to be near our family. Until um, international travel commences again. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
2: I wish I could do that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wish I could just be like, yeah, we're gonna move out of this place and live in a few Airbnbs. I I still haven't written it off entirely, but when you have three three young kids, it mm-hmm. it complicates things a, a little bit. But yeah. So I when you go out to travel the world again, I'm wondering how do you plan a trip like this because I was also planning a trip like this next year. And then obviously with everything happening, I don't know if that'll happen, but I don't even know where to start, you know, and obviously with my situation, I have three young kids. So, you know, there's a different layer of complexity to trying, you know, in terms of like trying to understand, you know, how I'm going to take them from place to place and keep them educated and all, you know, hospitals, doctors, insurance and all these things but what are sort of like the first steps that when you think about planning a trip like that, like I'm assuming, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it like a trip, like a year? Do you plan a year or is it just open-ended? Like I'm just going to go and see where the wind takes me or how do you even start planning a
0: trip like that? Well, I am probably a very bad example because (laughs) um, this trip, was based on my mom wanting to go in the Etihad First Class Departments uh-huh and so she literally reverse engineered it said where does this plane fly <laughs> oh, and that's oh, how we decided yeah, yeah, we yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. so yeah i don't know if i mentioned but i'm really into travel hacking because i uh-huh. do like luxury flights and my mom's a she's a fancy lady so when i was trying <laughs> to decide how to both still go on these vacations with her and not completely blow my budget Uh Um, I got into travel hacking so that's how we're able to do that and so she said oh well these Etienne apartments fly to these places where do you want to go I was like oh one of them's Australia I really want to see the Great Barrier Reef let's Uh go (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's how we did that. And then we were like, oh, we're already over there. We should go to New Zealand as well. And oh, it's really close to Singapore. So then it just spiraled from there. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and then suddenly we we're going to be traveling for like three months. So I don't think I'm a great example, but that's how we did it. That, okay. You know what? That
1: that sounds exactly like how we travel too. My husband is big into um, travel hacking as well. So we've got I, my wallet is full of like ten different credit cards because he's <laughs> like, "Well, use this credit card for the these purchases mm-hmm. and this credit card for these purchases." <laughs> I can never get it straight, and then he's always changing them up. And then you know he's got the points guy, nomadic mat, and, and he <laughs> follows them all. And but yeah, that's it, that's such a fun way to choose where you're going to travel because it's sort of it sort of is you go where the wind takes you you go where the points take you
0: mm-hmm. and
1: or where the planes take you um, but I I have that too I have like a vision board and and a picture of I think it's from Emirates um,
0: sort of like one of those <laughs> little apartments
1: on a plane yes. and I'm like yes I'm gonna be on one of those if they
0: don't go out of business <laughs> we'll see highly recommend I did there for, that was my first First class international experience, Emirates. Uh, Highly recommend. Uh, I actually paid for that one seven thousand dollars. Oh boy, (gasps) that was pre-budget. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) those were the good days. (laughs) No, actually, I was so upset because like six months later, I learned about travel hacking and that I could (laughs) have travel hacked that instead of (laughs) spending. Okay, so I have budget. I
2: -hmm. I, I need to ask, what is travel hacking? Because I don't even know when you when you're referring to that. I'm sure some of the people who are listening. As well, Mm -hmm. don't know what that means. What does that mean?
0: Sure. Um, I didn't know that this is mainly an American thing, but apparently it is. So credit cards like to give sign up bonuses, Uh and they're usually in the form of airline miles. Uh So if you time it right, or if you use the right credit cards, um, then you can plan to use those points either for some quick domestic flights or the way I like to use it. I save up a ton of them. And then I completely splurge on a 15-hour first-class flight where I'm just sipping champagne and eating caviar all that time. (laughs) (laughs) So that's travel hacking. It's wild.
2: Yeah, that is super wild. Okay. I need to look into more of
0: that. Is there, Mm -hmm.
2: if you were to give somebody, like if you were to school somebody really quick on travel hacking, like the top three things they need to go out and do, what would that be?
0: Figure out where you want to go. Okay. and in which, like, airline class. Um, so then you have a general idea of how many points you need and okay. then figure out which credit cards you can use to get those points. Um, the points guy was just mentioned is a great example. Um, they have on their site both, like, for every kind of flight, Exactly the cards that they would suggest you use to -hmm. get those. And then they also have monthly valuations of those points. So -hmm. that's how I determine oh, this flight home uh, to the East Coast is $500. Should I use my points or should I just pay in cash? So they Mm -hmm. say, oh, this month Chase Ultimate Rewards are worth two cents per point and so I was like oh this is a good deal is it better than that or worse and so I can make that decision so it's a little too complicated but basically just decide where you want to go and what cards you need um, and how to hit there's usually a um, spending limit like a spending minimum you have to hit within a certain amount of time so plan for that and then do what you gotta do Interesting. Okay. And if you were to recommend
2: one particular credit card that you think is like the one, which one would that be?
0: I really can't just because they're all different and all depending on which airline you want to fly. For me personally, the only credit card that I actually have kept over the years and pay the annual fee for is the Chase Sapphire Preferred. Okay. But that's one because Chase Ultimate Rewards are pretty flexible. I think they have like 10 airline partners. And then also because they usually have really high valuation for those points And I use the card as travel insurance, which is absolutely amazing. And I've had to use every single year because I have horrible (laughs) flight luck. (laughs) Oh, no. And and it really helps me knowing, like, okay, if I have to get a last-minute hotel tonight and whatever else, it'll be covered by Chase. It's fine. So that helps me, like, emotionally. (laughs) Okay, cool. I do have that Chase
2: Sapphire Card Um, Mm -hmm. and we did, we I I might be travel hacking and I don't even know.
0: (laughs) It sounds like you are (laughs)
2: because I do have that card and we did Mm -hmm. use a lot of the points to um, pay for our trip last summer to Hawaii. But I think part of it is I have five people in my family and so it's like Mm -hmm. that. Exponentially makes everything like you need five times more of the points. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, cool. I'll have to I'll have to look into that. Um, one thing I did notice also on your app or on your website that I was curious about was this um, budget app called I don't know how I don't know if you pronounce it Y N A B or Y N A B. Can you YNAB? tell us yeah. a, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that because. I think that you know for people who may just be starting out and who are like okay i don't I, I don't have any money to invest right like I hear mm-hmm. that so often. And I think, you know, if people can really get a hold of their budgets and stick to it, which it sounds like you were able to do with this. And I love the example that you gave um, of sort of swapping one expense out for another and sort of knowing that, you know, okay, if I'm going to do this tonight, then I have to lose out a little bit on this other expense. Mm-hmm. But tell us how you use that and how it, you know, sort of helped you get to, get to your goals because I may need to, you know, use this app myself um, <laughs> to, to encourage budgeting, right? I have a budget, but I never stick to it. It's like, oh, this comes up or that comes up. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that real quick.
0: Sure. So yeah, it's pronounced YNAB, and it's youneedabudget.com. I've been using it for over five years now. Um, and I think you should definitely check it out for a couple of reasons. One, because they have a pretty, um, well, pretty lengthy um, free trial. So I think it's like a little over 30 days, 34 days or something. Okay. Um, but also, it's kind of... Almost an anti-budget, which works for me because I've never said, "Okay, right. purple, you can only like spend X amount on groceries this month." That, I, that's oh. not how I do it. Like I, mm-hmm. I estimate what I'm going to spend for the year based on previous year's averages. So it's like based on reality instead of me just declaring Got something. It okay and YNAB helps you do that because it's not rigid at all it doesn't yell at you like i used to use mint.com it would be like you're right. on the budget and i was like okay yeah. well, well now what like now i'm <laughs> i need to eat more because i'm upset right. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that didn't help me um so YNAB is great because um they have a couple of rules they go by one of them is give every dollar a job which is kind of like the envelope system like you decide at the beginning of the month, okay, I just got paid. So I'm going to put this amount in groceries, this amount in eating out, whatever, whatever. And mm-hmm. then another rule of theirs is rolling with the punches. So mm-hmm. within the budget, you can change everything around whenever you want. So I just spent too much on groceries. Instead of getting yelled at, it just has, hey, okay, where do you want to take this overage from? And I'm like, mm-hmm. thank you for asking. I'm going to take it out of my wine budget for this month or whatever, mm-hmm. because it looks like I'm not even buying any.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's not about like, yelling at me for doing a bad thing it's just saying like okay well you need to take it from somewhere else it's about choices it's not Mm. about Mm. discipline basically
2: I love that. I love that. I love what you said. Give every dollar a job. That is so uh, meaningful for for me. Um, when I started on my journey to financial independence, and um, you know, really, it goes back to rich dad, poor dad. You know, mm-hmm. really understanding that you know your money is a tool that you can use to work for you uh, to produce more money and more freedom in your life. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I love that. And I, I like that. I'm gonna have to check out that. I'm gonna have to check out that app. I'm. I use mint. That's the one I typically use which is and exactly like what you described <laughs> is how I feel which is why it never
0: works. Yeah. <laughs> You got to have a solution, not just an mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh no. <right>. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, before we, um,
1: and Julie, I don't know if you have more questions, but before we transition to the Investing for mm-hmm. Good Impact round, I did want to talk about your blog. So I, I wanted to ask, you know, at what point in your journey did you create a purplelife.com and what was your um, what was your reasoning behind starting and what, and what were you hoping to do with it?
0: So, of course, I can't have an easy answer. Um, (laughs) I started writing the blog when I started my journey, January 2015. Mm -hmm. But I wrote it privately. So, it was basically Mm -hmm. an online journal. And I started it just to keep myself accountable, to record how I was thinking about things, feeling about things, so I could look back. I wrote it for my future self, basically. And so, that was the only goal I had. And three and a half years later... I was still writing it It as a private journal (laughs) and And I had coffee with a um, pretty big blogger in Seattle and randomly mentioned, so I've been writing this thing for a couple of years like privately. Do you think I should take it public? You've been talking about how many amazing opportunities in this great community that's come from you starting your blog and putting it out there. Do you think I should do the same? And she's like, yeah what do you have to lose? That's Mm -hmm. a great answer. (laughs) Nothing. Um, So that night, I guess that was July, 2018. I took my blog public and I've been shocked with what has happened since then? I'm talking to you guys. Like I couldn't have imagined any of this. <laughs> oh, that's so and cool. That. That's
2: so wild. It, it's like same for Annie and I, I feel like it's just been such a fun, wild journey. You never know where, you know, things like this um, will take you. Um, mm-hmm. But that's and so we-
1: cool. What does a purple life mean to you? What does it mean to live a purple life?
0: So, background, I've always been obsessed with the color purple. Um, I, well, I have purple hair most of the time. Not all the time. I've got to keep people guessing. Uh-huh. I'm unintentionally currently wearing purple slippers and a purple dress. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I'm realizing my notes for this show are written in purple. So, I've got a problem <laughs> oh my with the purple obsession, but... I was just literally that night after having coffee I was like what should my name be what what is different about me like oh I'll use this picture of me with purple hair Um, but what what should be my name and a purple life came up and I was like what is that and so to me a purple life is just kind of a slightly different life a life that you know marches to your own drum you don't have to worry about people thinking you're weird cuz you got bright hair or whatever you're just living your life over there and having a great time
1: oh, that's so cool i love I that like and that. that's so much of what julie and i are all about with you know our investments in real estate mm-hmm. and helping to you know create a better life for our families and live a meaningful life by design and mm-hmm. it's through so much of that taking conventional wisdom and looking at that and saying is this really the way that it mm-hmm. is or the way that it has to be is there mm-hmm. another way could there be another way and so i'd like to think that we are both living a purple life as well yeah. and many of our <laughs> listeners are living a purple life uh-huh love that i love that Oh, I so do. cool yeah
2: so good okay before we transition into the investing for good impact round i have one question to ask you what mm-hmm. is your favorite food to eat and
0: where <laughs> this might be the hardest thing i'm one of those people that i, can, I can't do like I know. favorite food favorite movie oh gosh i have like top hundreds okay i'm <laughs> top <gonna> say- <laughs> to, you could do top 3 we'll do top 3 then Ooh, okay hmm. all right number 1 dumplings from okay. a shop in Chinatown that doesn't even have a sign. So I have no idea what the name is.
2: Oh, no, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. <laughs>
0: Wait, I'm, what city are we talking about? Manhattan. Oh, yeah. oh okay. I can look it up if you want. I can tell you like the cross streets. Cross uh-huh. streets. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it that. up after this. But <laughs> I think that's one. And then there is a... Um, Tex-Mex restaurant in Seattle that has huh. the best fajitas I've ever mm-hmm. had and I'm so confused because I'm like what are you doing in Seattle but it's right. so good <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go with that and then oof. what's mm. the name of the Tex-Mex place? Laredo's it's what is it? Laredo. Laredo's. Laredo's. Laredo's okay got mm-hmm. it and oof and then the last one it's gonna be Pho from Pho Bach in Seattle okay mm.
2: I'm writing these down so that when COVID passes us, I can (laughs) start my list of places to go. Awesome. Cool. All right. Great. Let's move on. Okay. So we're going to ask you three questions around investing for good. The first question is around investing in yourself. So what is one way that your investments
0: are allowing you to live a better life? Well, they're allowing me to Quit my job in two months and live off of them. So, going to save me like 40 to 60 hours a week (laughs) of stress, um, allowing me to do more of what I love, which is writing, photography, cooking, mm, eating in general. (laughs) (laughs) And post COVID, traveling. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I love it because you know when when you are able to take care of yourself and you're able to release yourself, in my opinion, from the responsibility of of this job or working, that you're able to, mm-hmm. you know, live a life that is unique to you and one that makes you very happy and when you think about that if you can think about all the people in the world if they could do the things that would make them happy and you never know where that's going to take you right it's just like a purple life.com it's like you never knew that it was going to impact all of these people and help all of these people mm-hmm. you know on their journey some you probably may have never even spoken to and <laughs> you don't even know that they're following you and you don't even know that you're impacting their lives but you are um and i just think that uh you know, when people can uh, allow this kind of lifestyle into their mind and ex- say, okay, I, there is another way, yes, let me discover it, let me go after it, that they're able to really truly be the people that they were meant to be and do the things that they were meant to do, um, you know, in their lives, not sitting at a desk and working, (laughs) you know, 12 to 16 hours a day um, Mm -hmm. in misery. So I love that. Okay. Second question is investing in others. So what's one investment strategy or travel hack that you might be able to share (laughs) um, with everyone listening um, that'll help make an impact in their lives?
0: Well, in addition to travel hacking, um, I would give the advice of a general hack, which is Mm -hmm. to be open to money conversations. If you're not already, I personally share Everything with people if they ask. Mm -hmm. So, my salary, my rent, my net worth, whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, People really do ask, I understand, because it's taboo in our society right now, but when those conversations happen, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. For example, um, recently I shared, someone at my work asked my salary, and I shared it, and we discovered that. She who was recently promoted and another one of my colleagues uh, who is actually a woman of color were being wildly underpaid. Um, mm-hmm. so now they are fighting for what they deserve for their position and that never would have happened if we hadn't been open with each other.
2: I love that because it's I've I've always been open about talking about money and finances and it's been something that has always sort of followed me around and you know over the years it's something that I was always met with sort of this almost like a turned off um, mm-hmm. response from people. And, and I never really knew why. Um, and, and I still, I don't know if I even know why now and even, you know, when I post something on Facebook that's related to something around money, I almost feel with certain people, not with everyone, because most of the people on Facebook are real estate folks, and so they get it. But there's almost like this feeling of, of taboo, like you said, mm-hmm. like it's something we shouldn't be talking about, particularly as women. Um, and I feel like there's sort of this unspoken, you know, sort of stigma around, women and, and money and how they shouldn't be you know talking about it. And so um, I love that uh, that you you're encouraging people to do that because I think it's important. All right, investing in the world. last question. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a
0: better place? So in addition to just providing representation, I'm a black woman. So by um, just showing an example of an alternate path, Mm
3: -hmm. uh, that's one
0: of the reasons I did want to take my blog public because there's a stereotype that it's all like white male Mm -hmm. tech bros over here. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. not true. Mm -hmm. It's for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) just leading by that example. Um, Also, I've been looking into if I can either join or start um, kind of a financial literacy um, organization to help Mm -hmm. spread that Mm -hmm. since I'm trying on my own, but I'm not getting a lot of reach, you know. (laughs) So um, seeing what that's about, I'm also curious just what I'll get up to having that free time without a job. Right. So that's undetermined. And then in the future, my current plan actually is to donate all of my money when I die. And right now that's looking like it's going to be Possibly um 14 million inflation ingested dollars. So in deciding what kind of good that can do in the world.
2: Yeah. Oh my god.
0: Wow. Wow that wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best answer that we've ever gotten on that on that question. Um oh my gosh, that I'm speechless. I don't even know what to say. That's it, gives, it, it just conjures up so much emotion. Like your you know, your whole life you work so hard for all of this, all of you know, money and the freedom and all of that, and to, you know, at the end of the day, just say, okay, I'm just going to leave it to do good in the world, and you're not mm-hmm. even going to be around to <laughs> <laughs> see the impact it's going to have. Um, but wow, that is that is so cool. I, I love all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, the literacy program um, is something that Annie and I always talk about. It's something that when we find the time um, is something that we would love to do as well. And, and um, particularly as it relates to um, you know, the younger generation, just because mm-hmm. it's something that is completely missing you know, in, in, in education, uh, K through 12, even in college. And it's just not something that people talk about. Again, going back to that taboo. I love that. I wish you luck on your journey and um, can't wait to see what you, what you do next. <laughs>
0: Thank you.
1: I think all of this is just, it just speaks to the power of what's possible yeah. mm-hmm. when you take a step back and you look and see your options and you, you find a path that works for you and to the point where you can live out your true purpose, live out your meaningful yep. life by design. And that's what we're all about. You know, we talk a lot about different types of investing strategies and journeys on this show, but it's, you know, it's different for everyone. And so Purple, it's so great to hear your very, very inspiring story. (laughs) And I'm sure people are going to want to hear more. So what's the best place for them to go and learn more about you and all that you're up to?
0: So feel free to check out my blog, apurplelife.com. I'm over there. I post every Tuesday, and I've promised to do so even in retirement for at least a year. <laughs> <laughs> so <come say> hi.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well, Purple, thank you so much for sharing your journey and your wisdom with us today. Purple, creator of apurplelife.com. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families. Create a meaningful and intentional life by design and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodeginvestments.com slash podcast and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.